This is episode 67 of the 200 Churches Podcast. I love saying to young leaders, just be you. Don't try to be, you know, Andy Stanley or Bill Hybels or whoever your hero is. That's great to learn from them, great to study under them. I still do. But God wants you to be you. And the sooner you can get freed up to be you, remembering not everybody's going to like you. But people will like you best when you're you, the better off you'll be. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, where we're focused on pastors of small churches, 200 churches to be exact. Every Wednesday, we release a podcast episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. Today, the guys are joined by Dan Ryland, the pastor's coach. You can find Dan at danryland.com. Now, here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church, the Cheech and Chong of Ministry Podcast, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I believe I'm the Cheech of this podcast, and I'm here with my great friend. My name is Jeff Cady, and I am neither of those two oh, CH words. I see. You yes. throw all that on me. Well, I w- I'm not going to throw it on Angela, because she only <laughs> reads what is given to her. I see. Well, all in good fun. For all the Colorado pastors out there, don't get any ideas. There you go. Okay? Still not okay. Well, you can follow us at (laughs) 200 Churches on Twitter or at our website at 200churches.com. Please do. Where we try to post a couple times a week to encourage and uh, inspire pastors of small churches. The more uh, that you follow us and like us and share us, uh, the more you do that, the more people get to hear uh, the encouraging words, not not just us, but Dan Ryland, who's on the podcast today, a week early. It's like Christmas come early. A week early, a little scheduling snafus, but hey, that's all right. We're going to have Coach Dave Jacobs on next week. Yeah, so the more that you share, the more people get to hear uh, guys like Dave Jacobs, Dan Ryland, and all the all the crazy, wacky guests that we get to have on the 200 Churches podcast. Jeff, I always have a lot of fun making these podcasts with you, and then letting you do all of the editing work. So give Jeff some love here by following us on Twitter. Reward him for his hard podcast work. You know, I do have to call on another podcast, though, and that would be the podcast Rainer on Leadership with Tom Rainer. It's really interesting. Tom is oh, a number of years older than me. I won't say how many. And but he's got an assistant that helps him with a podcast named Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan. So okay. he didn't go by Johnny. It's Jonathan. And I laughed out loud the other day while listening to that podcast when Tom Rayner dissed Jonathan. It was really funny, and I thought, is that how it sounds when I rip on you? Probably on the podcast. Yeah. So I do want to mention that uh, if you've never listened to Tom Rayner's podcast, Rayner on Leadership, it's it's really a podcast for pastors, not particularly pastors of small churches, but it doesn't matter. I think that you would, uh, I think you would enjoy that if you listen to that podcast. Look at this. We give shout outs to other podcasts here at the Turner Churches podcast. Yeah, but I like Tom because he rips on the guy that works with him. Oh, I see. Your kindred spirit, you yeah. and Tom. So anyway, today we're talking with Dan Ryland. And Johnny, this should be this is kind of your podcast episode today because we're talking about young leaders. Yeah. And I just right at the front end want to say it's not just young leaders, okay? You know, there's a saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But you, I think that old leaders, old leaders, that sounds bad, but I think that leaders who have been leading for a while, like yourself, Jeff, right, you can always improve. These, these same tips can have application 
for all. So I'm just saying, don't stop listening. If you're, well, I'm not a young leader. Don't stop listening. Okay, it's good for everybody. But if you are a young leader, we're trying to help you get a step ahead. We're trying to help you get ahead uh, of the curve, as it were. Well, you know, you can't go back and start again. But you can begin today to make a brand new end. Wow. But the problem is, begin today. I can't go back to when I was 27 or 28. But some of you are 27 or 28. And so we are going to be speaking to you, particularly if you're in your 20 or 30-somethings. Uh, if you're in your 20 or 30-somethings. If sure. you are a 20 or 30-something. We're, we're titling this this episode, How to Start Smart as a Young Pastor. So we're going to share some things that uh, I wish I knew starting out at age 24 yeah. as a pastor. Dan Ryland has six things when we talk to him in just a minute that he's going to share. But, Johnny, we're just, going to, we're just going, to, going to prime the pump. We, we've each got one thing that we would like to say to young leaders to begin the podcast episode. Then on the back end, we've each got one more. We're going to give some bonus things besides just the six that we talked to Dan about. So, Johnny, what's your pre-conversation thing my pre-conversation thought is as a young leader you should know and communicate your strengths and now uh one of dan's points in the podcast is going to be teaser uh be yourself and so this this ties in with that you need to know your strengths and be willing to communicate those strengths so jeff and i uh we talk a lot and and i'll come to him and i and i try to be as honest as possible about the areas too honest yeah sure yeah the areas <laughs> where i uh, uh might struggle the areas where i think i need to be shored up um and and i try to communicate with him hey here's where i think my strengths are here's where i feel like i'm moving and, and these areas you know i don't feel like are jiving as well he's told me on many occasions this is just not a conversation you would have had 20 years ago with your senior pastor. No, no. We would cover that stuff up. Yeah. Uh, and what I'm telling young pastors is do not cover that stuff up. This is, this is one of the steps toward burnout is trying to not know and communicate your strengths. Be open and honest with yourself and others about what your giftings are, and that's going to help out the whole church and if you're part of a team, the whole team. Well, Jim Collins came out with one of his leadership books, late 90s, early 2000s, where he talked about, it probably was in the 90s, where he talked about getting the right people on the bus and then getting them in the right seats on the bus. Well, if you want to be good, that's one thing. But if you want to be great, you know, it's so... I think that might have been the name of the book, now that I'm thinking about oh, it. Oh, no, no, I don't think that so. That wasn't good to great? No, I don't think so. I think it was the one before that. Um but anyway, <laughs> but but anyway, when we didn't talk about our weaknesses, yeah. see, we ended up in the wrong seats because you know our supervisor, our superior, would tell us, you know, well, how about this? Oh yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll do that. You go be, sit in that seat. Well, we had to be willing, so right. we'd sit in any seat, right. and then we, yeah, we we'd either burn out or we just do a really bad job. Yeah, that's okay. not good. So so my thought for a young pastor is this: don't cut corners in the integrity department. Mm. Because, you know, as a young leader, as a young pastor, you are, you are laying the foundation and the groundwork for your character and for your reputation. And if you begin to cut corners in the area of integrity, uh, that's never good. And I, I went to my, my first, now it was my second full-time ministry. Anyway, the first church that I spent 10 years at. Mm. Before I even got there, I was on the phone with one of the secretaries, and I said something that that wasn't exactly true. It was, it was, it was a turn of a phrase that I was not meaning to misrepresent 
reality, but I did. The very first day, she she came into my office, and I said, would you like to talk with me about this? And she very promptly grabbed a chair, set it down, sat down, and she said, yes, I would. So we had a little conversation about my bold-faced lie to her on day the one. phone before I ever came to the church. Now, you're all probably wondering what in the world that bold-faced lie was. You'll never know. I'm not. I am not going to tell. This really, is a secret right it's, here. It's, it's really no big deal. Super salacious. But, I'm sure. But my point is, integrity is so important. It's so important. You're going to be tempted as a young pastor mm. when you get cornered by an elder or a deacon or a mother of one of the kids in your youth group who's putting the pressure on you to maybe just maybe just you know just show the facts that are beneficial to your story. You know what? Just come out with it. You have to be honest. You have to have integrity. I mean, truthfulness. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, right? And so you have to have your reputation. Uh, That's everything. So the very first thing I would tell you is don't cut corners in the integrity department. So those are two quick hits to get us ready for our conversation with Dan. Uh, you uh, you all know Dan by now. If you don't, he is a executive pastor at Twelve Stone Church uh, in the Atlanta area. He was the right hand man to John Maxwell for a long time. He is just an all around great guy. Super fun to listen to. So uh, we hope that you enjoy this conversation with Dan Ryland. It's good to have Dan Ryland back. Dan, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff and Johnny. It's good to be here, and uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, this session. Well, you know, last month. Johnny took it off the rails a couple times, so we're going to try and stay. <laughs> we're going to try and stay focused on on the task here. I'll I'll try to behave too. <laughs> you, you wrote an article called "Young Leaders Start Smart." Unfortunately, I didn't see this two years ago to forward to Johnny. So Ooh, after oof. after almost two years, Tough he's going to have to yeah he's going to have to uh, um, you know start working get on smart. this. Supposed <laughs> the start has already happened. But to get smart, you laid out uh, there's six things a young leader needs to keep in mind in starting smart. And the very first one was was transition from leading person to leader. Uh, the transition from being you know kind of a person who leaders like to lead in a person who follows other leaders well to being that person who is the leader how do you work with interns or new hires uh there at 12 stone so that they can make this transition in their thinking there's two things that we do and they're both based on understanding the notion at least the front part of it of the difference between a leading person and a leader you know a leading person somebody who's sharp they're a go-getter we know we talk about in college like they're the person that can lead themselves through college with good grades. But that's very different. Somebody who can lead themselves well, you can lead yourself from A to B. It's very different from who can lead a person who can lead other people from A to B. Mm-hmm. So you can be a Sharpie, but that doesn't mean you can lead other people. So we really do two things. One, we talk about the concept till they believe it. In other words, we don't just say, you know, this is the idea and we're going to transition you from leading person to leader. We really work with them until until we have a sense that they actually believe the notion. Because if they don't right off the bat, you've got to get them there first. Second, (laughs) we just push them in the deep end of the pool. (laughs) And when you push them in the deep end of the pool, even when they're smart and sharp and creative and wonderful, and that's – they are. I love young leaders – they discover that when you're actually in the water and it's over your head that 
the things we were saying that we took a while to get them to believe are actually really true. And so that positions them to go from belief to asking questions for help. And when they begin asking questions for help, then we can actually begin to mentor. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was telling me that they've, they've done studies and looked at kids whose parents overparented and overprotected, and then other kids who were kind of allowed to fall and make mistakes. You know, and we were on the playground with our kids, and, and he was kind of worried that his kid might fall off this, and, and this kind of led to the conversation. And my son then fell off of something promptly and probably got a concussion. Um, but the idea was that those who are overparented turn out to get, uh, and this was just in terms of driving, but have more traffic tickets and more accidents. They're, they're not as safe of drivers. Whereas those who had learned their limits and their, their boundaries ended up being much safer drivers. Well, I think that applies outside of driving. And I think what you're talking about pushing them in the deep end of the pool, that's so true is that unless they, unless they find out right what the limits are and, and how that feels to be underwater a little bit and. Thank you, Jeff, for pushing me not just into the deep end, but then standing on my shoulders. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't learn unless you have that opportunity. Actually, Dan, I was going to ask you if you have a two-month program down there that <laughs> you accept. Yes, you know. we, we have you know, our, our normal residency for our interns. Our normal residency is two years. But for a guy as sharp as Johnny, no doubt he could get through it in two months. Sure, boot camp, good. It's it's called Deep End University. <laughs> Deep, Deep End University. <laughs> we throw you in and sit on you. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. That's a great learning. So this this is going to be a great episode for young leaders um, because number two on here is learn as much as you can as fast as you can. And uh, I don't know a better way to do that than to jump right into leadership. I was yeah. I was 24 uh, when I became a pastor, and my, my oldest son just yesterday turned 24 and I looked at my wife and I said, you know, when I was 24, we, we had our first child and I started in my first ministry and there really isn't much else that can teach you uh, as quickly as just jumping in. So learn as much as you can, as fast as you can. How long should we spend getting to know our people in our church, in our new ministry versus initiating change? Because right. we do want to make relationships. But right. they, is it a myth, this thing that they say, that when you're a new pastor, you should go in and you should change as much as you can in the first year because people will expect that? Is that a myth, or do you need to build up some, build up some goodwill first? It's a little bit of a myth. And, and of course, I often will say it all depends on what you change. Because if you go in and make stupid changes well that's never a good time for that <laughs> yeah yeah and and uh, or people say well, you know are our choirs in our choirs out i say it's not choirs in and choirs out and bad choirs are out you, you know so uh, to, to answer your question uh th- three to six months is is a good time frame to focus on relationships if you are making and or if and and making small changes immediately, and you you judge the transition. You know, is it three? Is it two months? Three months? Four months? You judge that transition by how much momentum is being gathered and gained from the small changes. So I think it's a little bit of a myth, or actually could be really dumb to just go in there and make a whole bunch of big changes because you're, you're they're not ready for that yet. And then of course waiting forever and ever and ever doesn't make sense. So I think. I think a period of going in and 
actually learning the people and building relationships, let's call it three months, is good as long as you I, – I do think making small changes immediately and, he, and here's why. When you make small changes immediately, you're testing the waters. You're testing the system. You're testing the environment to see how – because you know when you interview and you talk about change and vision and we're going to take the city for God. And of course, oh, the yes. whole board says, <laughs> yeah, we're going to take the city for God they love it, until yeah. you get there. You know, <laughs> So the small changes are testing the system to see how ready they are. Well, then you get there, and you can't even take the pulpit for God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that relates to the third point you make for young leaders, which is gather some change before you make change. So you say change will always cost you as a leader, so you need some change in your pocket before you make changes, and you talk about the relational, the relational change kind of. And on, on one of the first five podcasts that we, we did, we talked about leaders want a blank check, and, and you and I joked around a little bit. About I, you know, I showed up and I wanted a blank check. Come on, I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a pastor. I got a title. Doesn't that en- entitle me to <laughs> doing whatever I want? And you said no, uh, it absolutely doesn't. You need to get that change in your pocket. So, what are a couple honest, you know, ways that a new pastor could gather some of that change in his or her pocket so that they can make changes? Yeah, here's a few, and of course it's sometimes better to tell stories, but I'll try to go with what you're saying here. And uh, But we and like stories with, too, though. Yeah, and, and going with some kind of conceptual ways first. But one is is the leaning into the ministry of presence, I think. Um, in other words, being there at the right times, uh, illness, hospitals, marriage, death, you know, just there's something powerful about the ministry of presence up front, uh, lots and lots of time with the people being very, very in the now. Uh, that that gains tremendous change. Sure. I think another one is um, kind of like the choir robe illustration I gave in the in the article where uh, the the young pastor came to the smaller church and saw that they the choir really really wanted uh, uh, choir robes and all that and. And uh, while he knew choir robes aren't important and choir robes aren't going to grow the church and choir robes might be really outdated, he saw that that was the history of the church and they loved them and they wanted them. And he just stepped up and did a, a quick fundraiser and they needed 2400 bucks and the young pastor got 2500 bucks and they didn't have any money in the checking account. And while we might, we might all say that was, you know, really, is that what you want, choir robes? But... Yeah, okay. But if you think about how smart the leadership was, he gave them a quick win. He put oxygen in their sails, which helped them believe they could do bigger things. So I think I think small, quick wins is a big deal, uh, small, quick successes. And the biggest one is problem solved. Hmm. If if the pastor can come in and find small issues, I mean really small ones. I, I remember one story of a, a guy they were – the, the, the smaller church was just every, there was three or four coffee pots, you know the the brewers, and uh-huh. and they and they everybody was stealing them from room to room, and they were literally running in and stealing them right out from underneath the events because they they from one room from one event to one gathering to one department they were just stealing coffee pots, and I said, why are you stealing coffee pots? And they said, well we only have three. I said, well how many do you need? They said, well probably about five. I said, why don't you go buy two more? <laughs> yeah. And the pastor looked at me like, I just opened the Bible or something. And literally, <laughs> they went and bought two more coffee pots and everything was solved. 
John, now, we, go ahead. We man. laugh at that, but those small <laughs> things give you so much change in your pocket. You just tossed a softball to Johnny. Johnny, what'd you like to share? Well, when I first came here, our coffee was terrible. It was embarrassingly bad coffee. It was it was actually colored swill. Yeah. Is ooh, what it was. Ooh. We have a lot of Dutch people up here. Dutch coffee, that's a thing. Anyways, I said we should have the best coffee in town as a church. I thought that that would be... And we have a college town. And I'm thinking, hey, to have the best coffee in town, that'd be a good change. So we, we invested some money. We got some good coffee. And now the coffee is a, is a hit. It, well, you know, you talk about $2,400 for choir robes. And, uh, okay. okay. Did he spend $2,400 on coffee? No, 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 no. We only spent a, a fraction, a fraction of that. You know, one half is a fraction, so it's, you know, <laughs> one quarter. It was an expensive maker. But, it's uh, fine. No, but it, and you know, the reason they were, they were, uh, drug running with those coffee pots is, you know, <laughs> hey, coffee's a drug, man. People need it in the morning. If they don't, they get really cranky. That's right. Especially no the young doubt. leaders. So, but but that was a, a problem solved even at our church, the whole coffee thing, because I haven't ever had a cup in my life. I don't drink it. So I had no idea how to even address the situation. So we bought these new bun coffee drip thingies, and I even I can make six air pots of mm. coffee that people will love they because will. it's a scientific solution. <laughs> Dan, number four here on your list, you said uh, to be yourself. And these are things that, again, new young leaders need to think about. Be yourself. And I remember being younger and listening to the greats on my cassette player uh, and thinking, boy, I wish I was, I wish I could talk like them. I wish I could. I was wishing, you know, that I could be more like them, that I could be more like the person that I was listening to, whether it was John Maxwell, whether it was Rick Warren, or whether it was, you know, Dan Ryland at a conference in Albany teaching Uh, about how to lead and grow your church staff. But you say, be yourself here. Um, I'm wondering, did you go through that, Dan, as a a young leader going from Asbury back to uh, Skyline and being under a, a kind of a strong young leader himself uh, how did you how did you navigate that transition of figuring out who you were yeah well I, I you know the good news is is it's ended up or based on my belief now that not everybody will like you but people like you best when you're genuinely you people like you best when you're you but you got you kind of got to get over everybody will like you yeah and uh, I, I remember too I'll have to tell this quickly but since you asked the question, how did I make that transition? I too wanted to be like the, all the greats. And I saw that all the greats had a certain personality, or many of them. That was my mistake. Not all, but many were the choleric, you know, the hard charger, sanguines, funny guys. And they were the ones, the hard charging, choleric, sanguines were the ones that were on the platforms at the conferences and had the big churches. So I thought, well, if they're on the platforms and had the big churches and they're the, they're the guys that were the superstars and God used to grow a big church, then I think I'll be a, I think I'll be a choleric sanguine too. And so I was trying to, at a very, very young age, right out of, right out of seminary, trying to invent myself or make myself be a choleric sanguine. Hmm. Well, that's all wonderful, except I'm a choleric melancholy. And, and so I'm trying to pretend I'm something that I'm not. And it wasn't until I, God let me meet some, these, some amazing leaders who were phlegmatics and melancholies and sanguines and, call, and, and 
and I, and I began to have my mind expanded that God was building the kingdom with all kinds of personalities. And I began to get freed up and began to discover I actually liked myself better that way. And God began to bless my ministry because I was – my leadership, I should say, uh, because I was the person he wanted me to be. Things really began to blossom. And I love saying to young leaders, just be you. Don't try to be you know, Andy Stanley or you know, we, you know, Bill Hybels or whoever your hero is. That's great to learn from them, great to study under them. I still do. But God wants you to be you. And the sooner you can get freed up to be you, remembering not everybody's going to like you, but people will like you best when you're you, the better off you'll be. And, you know, Dan, you're, you're talking about uh, personalities now. And the truth is that you may have a hero uh, that you have put up as somebody who you really want to be like, but if they have a different personality than you, you'll never be like them. You can't be because we can change our habits uh, and we can change you know, our schedules, but we cannot change our personalities. And there are probably some out there who do not resonate with the terms you're using. Uh, another way to look at it is the DISC tests that you see all over the internet. Uh, but the same with me, Dan, I'm a, I'm a phlegmatic sanguine. So I can't be that, you know, hard charging choleric who, who leaves people in my wake. Um, right. And, you know, I, I, I have wanted to be, but it's just not who I am. So when we accept who we are, things go much better. Um, Dan, number five on your list, you said develop leaders. If you're a new young leader, how can I be? How can I be expected to develop leaders? And I, I am the leader, so there's a leader. Do we need more leaders? Well, we always need more leaders. I, I believe that to my core and passion. Be passionate about that. Always, 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 always need more leaders. I, I, I really believe next to the favor of God, everything rises and falls on the, on leadership. And if your ministry is going to grow, if your church is going to grow, you've got to have help. It's not just about delegating. It's about raising up other leaders. And the truth is, truth is, sometimes I think we just make it far more complicated than it really is. So if we keep it simple and keep it can be consistent, raising up new leaders is a very doable thing. It's just right-sizing it, going for one or two or three at a time. Remember, I think we talked about this in another podcast. One leader, one new leader can change your church radically. Yeah, and and I think, too, that um, you know, developing leaders is a mindset that we have to develop and have, that, that we are actually going to develop leaders that we should, that we must, that we have to, that it where it's not optional. Um, and I think... Was it John Maxwell who, who wrote that uh, your vision is too big for just one person to accomplish? Absolutely. You can say that either way. Or if, if, you, if one person can accomplish the vision, it's not big enough. Either, either way you say it, it's so true. And I love to talk about with young leaders and well, anybody really is how to keep it simple. I mean it's literally no more complicated than grab two or three people, meet with them once a month and go through a leadership book together. Now, can, can you do more than that? Of course you can. And can it be more sophisticated? Of course it can. But literally gathering up a small group of people with potential, picking a great leadership book, meeting with them once a month and, and tackling a little bit of the book, that is leadership development. Maybe simply put, but that's okay because you want to keep it simple so you'll stay consistent. Make it enjoyable. Make Leadership development is an enjoyable thing because it's a genuine 
uh, investment in people's lives. And what I would want to say here is don't give up quick. We're so used to, and me too, we're so used to the seven-day turnaround, churches come and let's do church. We think that way. We think event. We think next Sunday, next Sunday. Leadership development's a long-haul process. You will not see results quickly. But the results that you do see in time are so powerful, I promise you don't want to miss out. Dan, you wrote a book, Amplified Leadership. I would encourage anyone any young leaders or older leaders who are listening and, and thinking, man, I wish I could learn how to develop leaders to check out that book, Amplified Leadership. And we did a five-part podcast series that they could go and look at as well about Amplified Leadership. So if they want to go even deeper, you should you should just steal all those, Dan, and then sell them. You say, this is the, this is the Dan Ryland extended version of Amplified Leadership. There's, there there's your permission. Give us a cut. But anyways, anyways. F- filter out our voices. <laughs> there you go. But that, that's all great information. So I'm sorry. I just thought about that, and I wanted to put that plug in. Not, not for any reason, but those are really great resources for someone to look at if they are interested in developing leaders. So that's the book, Amplified Leadership, and then we have those podcasts. The sixth thing, the sixth lesson to be a smart young leader is chase God. And this is one of those... This is one of those situations where you put the most important thing last, right? If you're going to remember one thing from this list, remember the last thing, and that is chase God. You said this might be the most obvious of all, um, but it does get left out. Sometimes we think work hard, be organized, stay focused, whatever, synergize your potential, I don't know, leadership talk, and uh, we forget chase God. We forget to take care of our spiritual walk. That's We love having... um, Dave Jacobs on our podcast because he talks about this a lot. Your spiritual health will drive the health of your church. So what what are you doing <clears throat> to be intentional to chase God? This is a question for our listeners as well as for us, is what are you doing to be intentional with that? And, and Dan, you say uh, prayer and evangelism will keep your heart hot for God. I believe that. And attempt to practice that the best I can. I think you can, in many ways, if I, if I could, uh, if you'll allow me a, a personal note or a personal addition in here, you know, you can almost set your clock on two things for me, prayer and exercise. And um, my, I, I'm very devoted to prayer. And I, I don't know that I would call myself a, a, you know, major intercessor, but I so deeply believe in prayer. And, it, you know, it's one of the things I wish I understood better as a younger leader. I've always prayed, but I didn't really get it back then. I, I, you know, it might have even fallen into the duty section, if I'm just real candid with you, of leadership. And well, this is what I must do because this is what Christian leaders do. And, and I love God and I love people, so I'll pray. And, but yet now there's, it's, God has breathed life into prayer for me and life into the power of prayer. And I've seen over decades of ministry now, the difference between prayer-filled ministry and ministry that was just on the run. And so I, I with passion, encourage uh, leaders to chase God through prayer, meaningful prayer, not legalistic prayer, but meaningful prayer. Get your cup of coffee, do it however you like to do it. And I think that in turn trips the trigger to evangelism, and those two together are a killer package. You know, you just said it, the difference between prayer-filled ministry and ministry on the run. And I think all of us have done both and understand the difference. 
And uh, I for sure would want to have uh, ministry that you know God is doing and that you're not having to do it. Dan, we asked you to uh, join us, and we're right up against the hour. We're going to let you go, and we want to thank you for being on the podcast. Good to talk with you guys. It is always so nice to talk to Dan Ryland. Uh, that was a great conversation we were able to have with him, his six points. We got through them quick, uh, so I hope that you, you are retaining some of that. But we, uh, Jeff and I, have two of those that we just want to pull out, and then we have two uh, of our own final words for leaders to tack on to the end. Jeff, what, uh, which one of Dan's six words to uh, new young leaders would you like to explain a little bit more well, I don't know if I'm going to explain it anymore, but when he talked about change and we talked about, you actually mentioned, you know, we have to get change in our pockets, right, before we can spend it. Yeah. And uh, he talked about when, when you're a new leader in those first three to six months, find something that you can have a win with. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't grab, don't grab some big, hairy, audacious goal and have that as, a th- as your first implementation of change. Right. But, but change some. You talk about problem solving. So I would say that what he said was, it was exactly right. As a new pastor, you want to solve some problems. Remember, we talked about the coffee pots and you know, just buying extra coffee pots. But you do want to solve some problems. So just go after the easy ones. Mm-hmm. Get to know the people in those early months. Uh, three to six months, just spend a lot of time with people, just get to know people. When when they feel like you think they're important, then they're going to honor your ideas and your thoughts and and what you want to share with them. And so get to know the people and then and then just do some problem solving on the little stuff that doesn't take a whole lot of work, but that will really uh, that will really please people and, and just, you know, serve them. I don't think that that can be overemphasized enough, and and I am so grateful. I can say it all over again. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm so grateful that I had you um, to kind of shepherd me through a lot of that when I first came to our church, um, because I'm I'm running gun. I was joking around with Dan about that. I'm running gun, and I would have stepped all over everything. I'm just sure of it. And so to to be able to have you governing me, and I know that that's not a fun job to try to bridle <laughs> somebody who's running forward well but you were bridleable so sure but it was it was good and so young leaders uh not all of you are gonna gonna have that that's right you gotta you, that's right you got to do that for yourself and just take these words to heart this is serious don't think oh no 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 that's just that's contextual no no, no that's everywhere that's church that's that's just the universal truth the point that i kind of most resonated with was the idea of uh transition from leading only yourself to leading others the idea of you know when you're a student when you're uh, when you're coming through life and you're young right you have to only be in charge of your own expectations and you have to lead your own you know decision making and all this kind of stuff but when you step into a role as a pastor now you have to lead others i want to add almost the reverse still being true when you start to lead others continue to lead yourself yeah um mm-hmm. this and for me maybe i'm just harping on myself here but it's easier for me to turn and look at other people and lead them and let my own stuff kind of slide in some ways you know jeff and i have talked a lot about uh the seminary programs that we're in right now that's a great example i i am poor at leading myself in coursework but i can turn around and lead my volunteers from my youth ministry i think pretty well uh and so don't forget to lead yourself when you start to lead others. Yeah, you need to transition from leading yourself to leading others, but don't neglect the leading of yourself within that transition either, if that makes sense. You know, this is, would be a good time to say, if you're passionate about something, you hardly have to lead yourself. 
right. you, you will just do those things. So if you have a course that you know you really enjoy and you can implement it right away and it's speaking to the stuff you're dealing with in ministry, oh, you just jump right into that course, you know, you're passionate about it. But if you've got, you know, some arcane, and I really hardly have had any of those courses in this program, but if you've got some course that was not applicable at all to your life, you have no passion for it. Right. And so, so notice the things you have passion for. And you know you won't you won't have to hardly lead yourself. I mean, you're just going to do those things. It's the things that are important and necessary, but that you might not necessarily have passion for. That you have to be disciplined to lead yourself in. That's exactly right. And uh, now my final parting shot for young leaders. And this is this is something that I feel like I am reminding myself constantly, and something that I want all young pastors to hear. Uh, right at the outset, and something I actually this was part of what I wrote for an article I did for pastors dot com about you know things that you should know becoming a mm-hmm. uh, young leader in a church is prioritize your family prioritizing time for your family if you if you don't have kids yet prioritize time with your spouse right prioritize non church related time with your spouse. This is this is so hard. When you get into a church, when you get into ministry, it consumes you. That's what you want to talk about when you go home. That's what you're thinking about when you're going to bed. You have to have some non-ministry time with your spouse. It's time when you're not talking about that, not thinking about that. And then if you do have kids, prioritize time with your kids. Don't let that fall off. My kids go to bed fairly early, and so I try to be home by 5 o'clock. Uh, every night and I try to and I try to do the morning routine with them when we, when we all wake up in the morning it's just a matter of prioritizing that and making sure that I'm there that that I am uh, present with them and always letting them know hey you're first in my life you're more important than ministry uh, and you know I have a responsibility uh, from God to care for you guys before I care for the church so prioritize your family that is so, so, so important, and, and you don't want to get in a situation with your spouse and with your kids where they look at you and say, hey, uh, it seems like you love the church more than you love us. Don't do that to yourself, so prioritize family. The church is pastoral mistress. Yeah, exactly. We don't want that. Now, I rip on you a lot, Johnny, but this, this is an area you are really good in. You are better at this than I ever was at your age. I mean, you you have that value, and, and you've learned, though, from that from preceding generations you yeah. know you've seen how some have done it and yeah. you are really good at that so if you're having trouble with that email johnny at 200churches.com <laughs> yeah there you go he can tell you how to do it I'll my parting shot my parting shot is this it's that as a young leader um you want to do certain things or in terms of an initiative or a new ministry or a special project or something that you want to get to or You've got this personal discipline that really isn't going very well, and, and you feel bad about it, and you know that someday you'll get to it. You know what? Tomorrow never comes. Mm. Tomorrow never comes. If you're, if you're 25 years old and you're in ministry, before you know it, you're going to be 30, and before you know it, oh, my goodness, you're 50. And tomorrow, tomorrow never comes. So do it today. Do it today. Start start young, developing those disciplines in your life. And it, you know, isn't this the isn't this the hackneyed trite refrain of every you know person over fifty years old? You young people, you better start young with your disciplines. <laughs> uh, but but it's true. It is true. So if there's something you're just waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for. You're waiting for that next you know something to happen, right? For you to start doing it, just 
start because tomorrow never comes. Hey, yeah. we've enjoyed doing this uh, this episode uh, to young leaders and young pastors. And again, I, I feel like we haven't used um, uh, both pronouns in terms of gender, his or her. Uh, himself, herself, it, you know, it just hasn't come up. And, and I've got, I noticed on the blog post, I've got a picture of a guy, you know, the young pastor who's oh, the guy. Sure. Uh, we know that a lot of you are women and you are pastors and you are leading uh, in ministries or in an entire congregation. And so, you know, we don't want to forget about you. And and you as a young pastor, there are, there are things that we've talked about. I don't even know. I guess I'd have to think through this episode that maybe deal more with, more with, uh, men who are pastors, but uh, we don't want to forget about you out there who are leading churches as a woman. Um, We want to encourage you and we want to support you. Uh, So we hope that uh, as a young lady in ministry, you can uh, take all these things and that they apply to you uh, just as well. And we'll work on that in future episodes. I don't think we've been remiss, but I always want to be careful about that. Yeah, absolutely. We're here to encourage everybody uh, who's in leadership position in in a small church. Hey, if you're in a big church, you can listen to. We, we can even encourage you. So uh, we hope you've enjoyed Dan. We hope that you've taken these. We gave you 10 whole tips. So <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed those 10 tips. Um, but we look forward to seeing you next time on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.